Great to see all of you here. Good morning. Welcome once again to OCC. Today what we're doing is we're beginning this new message series called Beginning Again. And we're, we're looking at just the idea of starting over, resetting. And generally there's seasons of our life where we tend to get, you know, we tend to, you know, set resolutions. This certainly isn't like a New Year's message, but there's seasons even in just life to where we begin to want to restart. Fall is one of those seasons. Fall means a bunch of different things. This is a, this is a season where there's a lot of bustle and it signals the end of summer. School's back in session and so everyone is, is, you know, you have a clean slate. If you're a student, then you have a, you know, you have a clean slate. Whatever was done in the past on your grades and in the classroom, you can start fresh from here on out and, and you've got the A. Now the goal is to maintain the A. Unless, you know, your professor is one that, no, you have an F and you have to earn an A. And so, but let's just say you have the A and, and you've got to maintain that. And maybe for, for many here, you might be starting out in college and so things are looking bright for you. But fall is that season. Also today is like big day for football fans. So today, like a bunch of teams are kicking off their seasons and so everyone has a shot. No one is out of the playoffs just yet. Unless you're, Steelers fan, last week, I think they took the first loss, so now they're, they've got a loss. So they'll have to wait till next year to have that clean slate, but speaking of sports, I don't know if you watched this last night, but Madison Bumgarner was throwing nearly a perfect game, and I tuned in, and he was, he was, in the eighth inning, he was pitching a perfect game, which is where a pitcher, you know, there's no walks, he gives up no hits. He doesn't hit anybody with the ball. No batter reaches base. Okay? And so that's, in, in a, over a hundred years of baseball, it's only been done 23 times. And so he's a pitcher for the Giants, which I happen to be a huge Giants fan. So I was loving that experience. Like, wow, he's going to really do it. And he gives up a hit. They hang one high. He leaves one up there. And then a little dribbling base hit up the middle blows the perfect game. Oh, my folks were actually at that game. I said, if you'd invited me to be part of that game with you, maybe that would have added to the enthusiasm. But, well, there's always next time, though. That's the thing about Fresh Start. There's always the next game, okay? He, he gets another shot at pitching a game like that. Uh, sadly, though, the Giants are still seven and a half games behind the Dodgers, which I'm sad about. We're just going to move on there. But life... <laughs> has a series of fresh starts. There's just these built-in cycles. Time does this, each day even. You know, each day ends, and if it was a really bad day, you go to bed and you're like, you know what, there's tomorrow. I'm going to go to bed, I'm going to give this up to the Lord, or I'm just going to get some rest and a new day can begin. And, and that's refreshment. However, in life, we don't always feel renewed by the next day. Because... You know, we wake up to a new day, but yesterday can chase us. The past can really haunt us. The problems that we experienced way back there can find us here in the present. But how nice would it be if in our lives that when we, when we do mess up, if we had like a giant etch-a-sketch next to our bed, that we could just shake and start over. And if we drew outside the lines in our life, we could just shake it up and start fresh. That would be so nice. And... We need that. We need that clean slate in life. Check out the image for this new series. This is a picture 
of the truth of the passage that we're going to look at from the book of Ephesians. It, it, it shows God bringing life out of death. God brings the ultimate starting point. He takes us from death to life. And this is what we're going to be looking at through this um, six weeks in this series. How, how can following God actually provide you a fresh start in life? I don't know about you, but I, I need that. I need that fresh start several times. Not just in my life, but some, sometimes I need the fresh start in my day. And sometimes it's several times in a day to where I'm like, oh man, I really screwed up there. God, I, I blew it. Would you forgive me for that? Would you forgive me for that attitude or that action? I confess it to Him and I can just experience forgiveness. Or if I've blown it in a relationship, to just admit the offense, to own my part and to clear that up, that's, I need that. We need those fresh starts. I, I can wake up just like the rest of you in a real cranky mood and I can put a demand on people and, and miss out on key opportunities to be patient, to be training, to be understanding with people. And it's amazing to me how I can go to bed with the right focus and then somehow wake up irritable. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But just like you, I, I can become frustrated when things do not go my way. And these are the different things that we battle with within ourselves. The reality is that we need the opportunity to begin again. Not just personally, but there's all sorts of areas even that we interact with others. And, and so in this series, we're going to be looking at dealing with our past. We're going to be looking at dealing with people and relationships. Financially, it's easy to just sink ourselves financially and feel squeezed from month to month or even from day to day. From bad decisions, sometimes we need just a, a fresh start or a new beginning in, in some of the decisions that we've made or even in our work. We might feel totally burned out and overwhelmed. So, but today what we're going to do is we're going to look at what's the starting point for lasting change. When it comes to change in life, we all tend to run to human solutions. But sadly, we never arrive at a place where lasting change really occurs. When we, when we look to ourselves, it's just it's not there. Our root problem is a spiritual problem in nature. We have a root spiritual problem. And, and so dealing with that is really our starting point. Our, a spiritual problem needs a spiritual answer, not a human strategy or a human scheme. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We want to point you today to God for help because He's the only one who can bring lasting power to start over and truly change in life. I want to look at this point. This is found at the top of your listening guide. And this is what the listening guide looks like. It's an insert inside your bulletin. If you like, you can follow along. Take notes if you like on this passage. This is a passage of Scripture from the book of Ephesians. And this book gives a real clear picture of what is yours if you are in Christ. If you, what I mean by that is, if you have decided to follow Christ, made Him the Lord of your life, then you are in Christ. And so this book gives us kind of a picture of what is your identity in Christ? What is your identity as a Christian? Or, if you've not yet decided to follow Christ, as we look at this passage, or even if you were to just read through the book of Ephesians, and really, if you were to surrender your life to Christ, these are the things that would be yours to be in Christ. And there are some rich, rich treasures in the book of Ephesians. And so, we need reminders about what it means to be in Christ. What is what is Mine as a Christ follower, what, what has God provided to me? In the book of Ephesians, it kind of uncovers for us some of these spiritual treasures that, that we get. And if we don't know the truth in this, in this letter, these truths, these spiritual resources, or, or we forget about what is ours in Christ, then what we end up doing is we end up getting a wrong read on life. We start reading 
situations in life, problems in life, through the wrong lens. We start trying to change things the wrong way. And so what this book is, it just kind of ties us back to how life really works and, and gives us some steps on how we move forward. And particularly, Ephesians chapter 1, it lays out kind of the spiritual treasure or resources, the identity that a Christ follower has. These are things that belong to you if you're in Christ. Sadly, some people never, never really find them. It would be like a person dying of starvation. And people go to his house and they kind of inspect the house later and they find this treasure of $50,000 cash buried in the basement. This person was saving it up, but they die of starvation. There's, there's something that was theirs, but they didn't use. And so the book of Ephesians, it gives us a picture of, here's what is yours. Here's what God has provided to you in your life, if you're in Christ. And I hope that even if you're here and you're just investigating Christianity, that you would get a clear understanding of, of your spiritual condition. How God sees you and what He has done for you. Now this book, is it was written to some of the first Christians and it reveals some key truths. And I want to walk through, you see these four bullets. I want to walk through these things as we kind of follow through this passage. And here's the first one. And these truths really help us understand why does change not occur by human power alone? Okay, so here's the first one. Real change is futile on your own. This is where this chapter in Ephesians starts. So this is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And real change is, it's futile on your own. Now that's a discouraging statement. But according to God, we are in a hopeless state. This is, this is the condition of, of every human when they arrive on planet Earth. They're in a hopeless state. Look at verse 1. Paul's writing this, reminding Christians who, who are no longer in that bad state, but he's reminding them, this is where you came from. This is the condition, your spiritual condition before Christ. This is who you were. This was your identity. So look at chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Look back at verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Those two words, trespasses and sins, says we were dead in those things. The word trespasses, it means that... that imagine there was a boundary line here. And God says, there's this line. The word trespass means that you've crossed the boundary line. God says, you stay on that side of the boundary. And so... To trespass would mean I step across God's boundary line. I step outside of the lines. Now the word sin, it actually, you've, you've probably heard this term before, but it basically means to fail or to miss God's mark for life. If God says, live in this way, we, we miss the mark. We're, we're off course again. And so these two things, Paul says, look, this is who you were, church, in, in this place called Ephesus. He says, all of you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In which you once walked. Look again at verse 2. In which you once walked. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You kind of get this picture that we were all just doing whatever, in the, whatever we wanted in the world. And it just came very naturally to us. We were being controlled by our desires. By the way we felt. By the thoughts that come to our mind. A lack of restraint. 
And we were really disobeying what God really wanted. We were just following the culture of the world, the leader of this world, God's enemy. And so in our mind, however, it doesn't seem like we're really that bad off. I mean, you all, we all here as a group, look like a pretty upstanding group of people. And so when Paul's writing this to the church in Ephesus, you know, they, they, many, in many of their cases, they had tried to you know, clean up their lives just like we try to clean up our lives. And in our mind, we think, well, I'm not that bad off. I'm not dead in my sins and trespasses. It can't really be that bad. Hopeless, futile, those are really strong words. If you're already a Christ follower, you might be thinking, yeah, why is he describing, why is Paul describing our spiritual condition in that way? Because none of us think that we're that bad. And that reason is why we continually look to human solutions because we think there's some sliver of hope within us because we're really not that bad and we can figure out a solution to our problems. But God's read on our root problem is, that, is the only one that really matters. And His read is this. It's that we don't need reformation. We need resuscitation because we're dead spiritually. Again, verse 1. You were dead in the trespasses and sins. Dead people, they don't move. Dead people don't talk. They don't figure things out. And the picture is that in that spiritual state, you can't do anything to help yourself with the root problem of sin that you have against God. It's like your car battery. Once it's dead, it's dead. You need a brand new one. Once AutoZone says, look, this thing is dead, man. You can't charge this thing anymore. No, I got the cables. I've been, I, I've been carrying this thing for five years and this, it just keeps, I jump it every week. This thing is dead, sir. It's $80. Just get a new battery. It cannot be fixed. We don't like that. <laughs> I want to show you a movie clip. This is from a movie that I was, I grew up watching the movie The Princess Bride. And I want to show you a clip. Show you a scene about this whole idea. And in this scene, there's a group of men, and they bring their dead friend to a man, to a man named Miracle Max. So let's watch. And we've got to listen really carefully to the first few words, okay? All right, here we go. This is dead. It can't talk. Look who knows so much, huh? Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Please open his mouth. Now, mostly dead is slightly alive. Now, all dead, well, with all dead, there's usually only one thing that you can do. What's that? Go through his clothes and look for loose change. I think some of you have watched that movie before as well. We, we know we struggle. We, we know we make mistakes, but we don't think we're that bad. We don't think we're dead. We'd rather believe that we're mostly dead. And so what we do is we minimize and we just say, you know what, I made a mistake. Sorry, I made a mistake. And that feels a little more hopeful. To, but to blame shift or to minimize rather than Admitting our real condition, that's our default. And we've been doing that since Adam and Eve. It's not really that bad. There's blame shifting in order to minimize. However, Paul, the man who, who wrote, God, God used Paul to write this letter to this church in Ephesus. He is just revealing, Paul's revealing God's perspective on our situation. Apart from Christ, we're spiritually dead. Our pride, our fears, our busyness, 
all keep us from coming to terms with that spiritual reality. But the starting point to change is to admit, we have a problem that can, it just can't be addressed with a human solution. And then the passage continues, and it, here's another truth that it reveals, is that God responded to our problem. God responded to our problem. Look at verse 4 through 7. Verse 4 begins with these two words, game-changing words, but God. But God, like God steps in. He initiated this change. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. Basically, He knows who we all are. He knows all that we've done to offend Him. And even with all that, His love motivated this great, great, great act of kindness. He sent His Son to die in order to pay the penalty for my and your rebellion. For the fact that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. He sent His Son to deal with that problem. He initiated that change. And then it says, He made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive together with Christ. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, that gave us the power to be raised to new life as well. By grace, He says, you have been saved. Verse 6, And then here's what happens for us spiritually, in the spiritual realm, and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is the treasure that I mentioned earlier. This is what can be yours if you are in Christ. God responded to our problem. And for those who turn to Him and really admit their need, like, wow, God, I, I, I'm, in a, I'm in the worst spot possible. I'm spiritually dead without You. For those who turn to Him and admit that and then surrender their life to Him, what He does spiritually, He brings you back to life. He takes us from death and moves us to life and gives us citizenship is what this verse is talking about. Citizenship through Christ in heaven. Verse 7 says this, so that in the coming ages He might show or He's going to put something on display. Here's what it is. The immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Basically, He has brought glory in the heavenly realm through this act of kindness for all eternity. All of heaven will glorify God through all eternity because of what He's done for us. He did this and we get to benefit eternally, but it's for His glory. We, we didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. It wasn't in response to anything that you did that was really good. Anything that I did that was really good, this was all out of His love. Because, again, there's no hope in human effort. There's no solution that we can muster up. We needed outside help. We needed somebody outside the situation to step in and provide this. Then another truth, the third one here, is the source of power for the change is the grace of God. Verses 8 and 9 reveals this. Paul writes this in in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace. Let's start there. Grace is God's answer. That is basically undeserved kindness. It's when we really mess up, we really offend someone, and we deserve a a consequence, and they say, you know what? I'm going to totally forgive you. I'm not going to hold that against you any longer. It's, I deserve something else, and I'm given something I didn't deserve. I'm given this gift of kindness, of mercy. And this is God's favor shown to us. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. His part is grace. God's initiating part is grace. And then we act by faith 
supplied by God's grace. We respond by faith to His grace. And then it says, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This is the, this is the best news. God stepped in, provided what we could not do on our own. We can't save ourselves. The source of power, it's just not in us. It's not your own doing. It's all because of His kindness, His grace. When I was a kid, I was, my grandparents had a swimming pool. And it was fun because I would go there and we'd go swimming as kids. And, and there was one gathering and my grandparents were people that loved to party with with their family. And so it's just like party, party, party with uncles, aunts, cousins. And so when I was a young kid, I was at one of these parties and people are swimming and, and my uncles are out there wrestling on this life raft. And I just remember like my uncles that I looked up to, they're all like, who can stand on those double rafts, you know? And they're wrestling each other and, and having a great time. And I'm like, I want to get in on the fun. I'm, I must have, I, I don't remember how old I was. And so anyway, I jump in and I wanted to play and, and, I sunk to the bottom of the pool without anybody noticing. I couldn't swim. And my, apparently, someone saw me. One of my aunts saw me started screaming. And a cousin, who I hardly know to this day, jumped in, a second cousin, jumped in, swooped me up, and resuscitated me. And my aunt, my Aunt Mary Lou, she basically said, you know, it was so scary. We almost lost you. And, oh, you know, and she'll remind me of this story even. She'll tell me and I'll be like, so which cousin was this? Because he's like a, more of a, not distant, but distant to me. And she will point, she will point him out. His name was Ralphie. And, and I didn't know him all that well. I see him here and there at funerals and never really went up to thank him for that. I, I really should. I, I, I really owe him. I really owe him for that. <laughs> But when I'm there at the bottom of the pool, there was nothing I could do at that point to save myself. When it comes to our spiritual lives, a person who is spiritually dead cannot even make a decision of faith unless God first breathes into him the breath of spiritual life. That's God's grace. So unless God extends grace to us, we don't have it in and of ourselves to even respond to him. So he initiates with grace this rescue plan, we respond to Him by faith. And so, we have to just, in, in our lives, stop trying to fix the problems ourselves and start responding by faith to God's offers of grace to that new life. If you've never done that, we would love to help clarify with you what that really means. On the back of your connection card, if you want to pull out this connection card right here for a moment, this little card that Scott asked you to fill, on the back side it says Next Steps. And there are these three next steps. In the very first one, it says, for the first time I commit my life to Christ and follow Him as Lord. If that's at a point, if you're at a point where you're ready to make a decision to do that, if you check that, we'll follow up with you. We would love to have a dialogue with you. We'll call you on the phone, one of our staff members, and try to just begin to clarify with you what it means to really follow Christ and become a Christian. We could also, we would love to talk with you at our guest info table today if, if you're at a point where you'd like to just get more clarification today. We would love to do that. But it's not too late to respond to God's offer of grace. You may feel like, man, I'm too far gone. I've done too much wrong in my life. And the truth is, you are. That's the spiritual reality that we're facing here. We are all too far gone. But 
what God is saying to us is, I know who you are and I know what you've done. And I've sent my son to rescue you and to raise you up to new life, to take you from death to new life. I meet people all the time that live in regret and have grief and guilt and they feel like, man, I could, I could never be, I could never be right with God. I could never, God could never love me. And what they're doing is they're continually trying to work their way into God's grace and favor. But it's, it doesn't start with us. It starts with the fact that He rescued us through His grace. And so that's why it's futile. That's why we talked about that first point. It's futile. Because we're, we're dead on our own. We need a spiritual solution. That's what God has offered to us in the person of Jesus. It's not too late. Many people in this room are here today following Christ and they battled with that same thought of God would never love me. But they responded in faith to God's offer of grace and they're here today and they're growing. And sometimes it feels like just one you know, step forward and then another step forward and there's small steps and then it feels like oh, I'm getting beaten back again on old ways. And, but they keep moving forward because God continues to supply the grace that we need to move forward even in the Christian life. If you're, if you're a Christ follower... We have to keep this same perspective as we deal with guilt over sin. As I deal with guilt over sin, I just have to remind myself, He has already paid. I, don't, I no longer need to pay. That's, I'm giving in to pride. When I start beating myself, it's a false, even can be a false sense of pride. Like, I should have known better. It, the good stuff isn't found in me. I find, the Bible reveals there's not any of us that are righteous on our own. There's not even one of us. And so... You don't need to beat yourself up any longer. You don't need to try to keep self-improving your, your ways. Instead, what we need is faith to move forward today. Just reminding ourselves that I, I can stand forgiven because of His grace. I can move forward by faith daily. Finally, one last truth. The last truth is this. It's, we are a thing of His, of His making. We're His workmanship. Ephesians 2.10 Paul writes, for we are his workmanship. That word there, poema in Greek, it's the only place you find it in the New Testament. It just denotes a work of art. It's a masterpiece. God is, he is, he's writing our story. We are, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. God's prepared us to, to live a life that would honor him and please him and to use our lives for his glory. Again, so He gets the credit and glory for all eternity. We receive tremendous benefits and resources in this life, but He gets the praise for it, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in those good, good works, in those ways. God created us all, but the, the reality is sin damaged us. It marred us. But in Christ, we can begin again. And He's not done. That's what verse 10 is saying. He's not done forming in you this new life. He's not finished. God has prepared a life that He wants you to live, and he, be, he wants you to begin to walk in faith towards. And maybe that's your presence here today. You've taken a step, and you're like, I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to start walking with the Lord, or I'm going to, or maybe you're trying to just take a step forward, and it took tremendous courage for you to even be here today. Um, that's you acting in faith, saying, God, here I am. And God will continue to, to pour grace into your life and provide help for you along the way. In light of where we're going to be going over the next few weeks, where do you need to begin again? Is there something specific that has been on your mind as we've talked about this area of beginning again? Where are you discouraged right now? Where are you in the need of, in need of renewal? I want to encourage you, just over the next 
few days, begin to think through, where is it that God is asking me to start fresh in life and begin again? Would you take that connection card out one more time? I want to invite our worship team to come back up to the stage here and join us. And on the back of this card, we, we put these next steps here as just some suggestions. It's ways to apply the message this morning. The first one I've already mentioned for the first time. I commit my life to Christ and follow Him as Lord. If you're at that point where you're ready to make that decision to follow Christ, you've never done that before, check the box. We'll clarify you with you what that means. We'll get in touch with you and talk with you at your own pace. Um, really, it's something that if God is doing that in your heart, if, he's, if you sense, He seems to be, God keeps trying to get my attention. He's like tugging on my life. Um, then we'll, we just want to be a part of cooperating with what God is doing in your life right now. The second thing is determine one area in my life that I need to begin again. Just a little blank there. You can jot down something on your listening guide or on the connection card if there's something that you specifically know that there's an area that God's asking you to, you to, to offer up to Him. And the last thing is just attending the rest of the series. We would love to see you in the weeks ahead. One last step, just a quick reminder that on the back there's the area you can sign up for small groups. Those growth groups that are open, you can just write the number, corresponding number, on the area of the connection card, and you'd be able to sign up for that. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you for your great love for us. All because of love, all because of your love, that we can be here and, and experience new life. Or for those that, that are here that that have decided to respond in faith to this offer of grace already. We just say thank you, Lord. Thank you. We are in gratitude and awe of your great plan and what you have done. And it's it motivates us, Lord, to walk with you more closely. At the same time, it just provides to us a tremendous sense of peace and rest and to know that we're, we're approved by you, Lord. You're in us. Lord, we thank you for these promises from your word. Thank you for the promise of eternity and these our spiritual inheritance, Lord, that is that we even get to experience a slice of now, but there is so much more to come. Lord, we thank you for all of that. And for those that are here that are really investigating a relationship with you, we pray for them right now. And I, I just lift them up to you that you continue to do your work of drawing them to yourself. Lord, I pray that they would get their questions answered and just have the ability to really think this through and get clear on what it really means to follow Christ. We thank you for the offering we're about to receive. I pray that you continue to use us to be a church who reaches out in this community to those who do not yet know you. Help us to be faithful with that assignment that you've given us. Help us to explain things and do things in a way that would make sense to people, Lord. And, Lord, we love you. We thank you for the way that you have gathered and formed our church here and the things that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.